When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your etiquette questions about gifts with the wrong monogram on them, gifts of gratitude, friends with champagne tastes who complain, and a question about apps, the kind you eat. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment where we catch up on Thanksgiving. Coming up... Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. I heard the funniest thing on the way in this morning that made me think of you. Do tell. (laughs) VPR was doing something on Voltaire, like, uh, talking about him, and one of the things they said was that he drank 40 cups of coffee a day, and I thought of you, and like... I love that your eyes don't open in shock. They're like, oh my gosh, I have permission to do this now? Like, for, for, for just half a second, I dared to let myself think it was Voltaire that made you think of me. But I'll, I'll oh, take I'm 40 sorry. cups I'm of coffee. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But it reminded me, we once had this listener that wrote in that said, it, like, it was a day where I had drank two cups of co- Oh, schnitzels. Why is your phone calling me right now? Your phone is actually interrupting our show on its own. You did not have it in your hands. I sat on it. How did that? Oh, my God. (laughs) Original butt dial on air. It actually pocket happened. Pocket dial, pocket dial. If I had said pocket dial instead of button no, dial, no, we we're going to use it. it anyway, dude. We're going to use that anyway. <laughs> this is a real casual intro today. We're giving them everything. Well, it's it's a little bit funny because. Next week, people will be listening to the show. The holiday will be over. But right, right. now, we're in the middle of it. We know, we're up we to are. our eyeballs. We are. I've just finished a holiday table setting video that's kind of funny. I'm just going to say you haven't seen it yet. I am really looking forward to it. <laughs> no, but we're figuring out who's actually going to end up at our holiday. Wait, I don't want to get off the coffee thing, though, dude. You, I'm serious. Your eyes lit up. Like, this is the most exciting thing ever. There's so much... <laughs> Things are falling off tables. I swear, we're going to have a normal show after this. This is just going to be the silliest, most messed up intro we've ever recorded. (laughs) Okay, deep breath. The coffee thing. I just felt so good getting to tell you that 40 cups is really, you know, is is a good goal to aim for, considering the, like, eight you've brought yourself down from. Well, so there are a couple of coffee thoughts. (laughs) The the first is I heard a similar thing on the radio the other day, and it wasn't 40 cups, but it was somebody talking about food and all of the various restrictions that people have put on diets over the years and how they're always eventually debunked. And ultimately he was saying, don't worry so much. Worry is the most unhealthy thing that That you you can face in your life. (laughs) Totally. That be moderate in what you do. Don't overdo anything. And one of the particular foods that often gets a bad rap, this particular expert was saying he was expecting to have confirmed as something that was actually bad for you was coffee. And it turned out, no, actually, all the correlations show good health. It might actually be good for you. Salubrious. (laughs) I just loved it. It reminded me of this time that this listener had written in. Um, I had had double coffee and they had responded saying, wow, I like Lizzie on a lot of caffeine. And the other week you were standing outside my my door jitterbugging with excitement and intensity and like we gotta get this done and we're gonna do that and we're gonna do this and I was like how much caffeine have you had today and you just looked at me like yeah it's been a lot and it was just like I'm kind of loving the caffeine theme that's been going on for a little while here well and since we're talking about I'll be a pitch person (laughs) for the the individual pour over which I learned from one of our original producers on this show and it's a good time to mention Hans and I think 
about him when I make my coffees because it was at a visit to APM. It was at a visit to Minnesota Public Radio where nice. Hans taught me how he grinds his coffee at his desk and makes his pour-overs. And it's a, a little ritual that I enjoyed borrowing from him. It makes many, me think of him sometimes. How many cups are you up to a day? I, two, two to three. And you grind each one and yep. then let it drip individually. You got Ooh, it. Ooh, man. I love all the little the little things that we set up, whether it's tea or coffee or it's like preparing little plate of hors d'oeuvres for yourself on a particular night. Like it's nice to have a little thing. Those little pleasures, those little treats that we give ourselves are so important. All right. We managed to somehow get an intro out of today, but... <laughs> we could talk coffee for the whole show. Know, we could just ramble for the whole show, but we should probably get to some questions. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just remember to use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so you know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is titled, Thanks, but that's not my name. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I hope this message finds you well, and I also hope you can help me with the best way or not to address a certain situation. We're in the process of getting a new home and can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel. Our bank is wonderful, and the staff has sweetly gotten us a gift with our future address on it. However, it's the wrong name, as my last name is hyphenated. With people like grandparents and older relatives, I try to give them a pass because of the generational differences. But when it's someone that I'm working with, especially someone who's had to write my legal name on many, many documents, I'm a little disappointed. Do I just ignore the error and acknowledge the gift in the spirit that I assume it was given? I won't use it and honestly don't want my husband to either since it's publicizing incorrect information and I've worked so hard to politely and kindly remind people that I kept my maiden name. I feel like it's impolite for me to point out the error on the gift at this point, but I also know, speaking from personal experience, that if I got someone's information wrong on a personalized gift, I would want to know so that I could fix it. Do you have any brilliant ideas? Thanks. 
Listening to this question all the way up until the end, I thought I had my answer solidified. I was like, oh, absolutely. You're going to just ignore this. Accept the, the, the gift with the generosity of spirit in which it was given. My cousin's beautiful language. It just, it was right there. The answer was so obvious. And then she brings up the point at the very end, which is, I know that I would rather have the opportunity to fix something for someone The only thing here for me is that it's a bank who's giving it to her. And it's, you know, I I think it's a nice gesture that the bank does when they close a a house deal, do a more, whatever it is. And I thought it was really nice. I'm guessing it's some kind of like um, maybe stamp with your address on it or something. It sounds like, you know, it's got the name and address of the, the house that they've purchased on it. And I feel her. I wouldn't want to use it if it was the wrong name, but I might say thank you for the gift. But if it was a friend, I might actually say, hey, oops. <laughs> I, I'm, I I'm so with you. This is a really yeah, tough I, one. And there's sort of competing good etiquette thoughts right? here. There's the good etiquette thought of it's good to correct someone when they're using your name incorrectly because you want them to get it right. It matters enough that you want to help them out. You want to help them avoid the mistake. And that was one of the thoughts I had is this is a bank. They... They produce documents with your name on them. It matters that they spell your name right. At the same time, you say that they're they're hitting that mark. So I'm going to put that concern aside, that there isn't a real practical thing that you need to address here. On the other hand, there's that point of etiquette that says you don't point out other people's mistakes if there isn't an easy fix or a way for them to correct it or make it right. And I, I, I feel that thought as part of this question also, that why point out this error Essentially, you're saying, give me another gift in some ways that's done correctly. Yeah, like, uh, let's get this. This is one of those things Oof. I could imagine. Yeah, right. Oof, Dan. Oof. This is one of those things I could imagine where we could come up with the perfect sample script. We could run with the idea that, oh, my gosh, of course the bank would want to do this correctly. And, like, yes, you would absolutely want the giver to have the chance to fix the mistake. I loved her perspective and thinking when it came to that point. But then you actually go to execute it and you're like, oh, my gosh, this feels wrong. This just feels unnecessary and wrong. And I wish I wasn't saying what I'm saying right now. I could actually imagine that happening in this scenario where you've got it all lined up. You have all your good reasoning in your head. And then when you actually go to do it, you're like, I just wish I hadn't done this. And I think that's the side that I'm in my own heart kind of falling That's, down on. That, that this is a very personal reaction we're both having to this. Yeah, it, it really is. At the same time, I, I a little bit like you, I heard the very end of that question and I was hearing that that this is a, a name mistake that matters to our caller. Yeah. That this is something she's worked hard to get right and to establish well as, as the way she's addressed. And yeah. I, I think that I would also listen to my heart. And if it really mattered to me, if I was really disappointed and I know it's a professional relationship, but it's also quite personal. Mm -hmm. This bank is making an effort to do something personal, to make a small gift as part of this important life moment. And if you really feel that they would want to know and that you want them to know, I don't think there's anything wrong with mentioning it. I think you do it with as much care as you can, with as much awareness that there was really good intention behind the gift. I'm imagining being really excited about the gift and almost offering to go get the same gift with the correct name on it yourself, but inquiring about how you could go about doing that, like asking them where they got it created, what in, what they used, if it's an engraver or if it's a whomever it is, and say, I was so thrilled about this. I did just want to make the adjustment so that my it reflects my name um, the, the way I've legally done it or something like that. Uh, could you tell me where I can go to get a replacement? Something like that where you're not putting the burden of the replacement on them, but you're saying, I just love this gift. I was so excited about it. I just need to tweak this one little thing about it. Can you help me do that? I, even that, like I said, I would probably walk up to the line and chicken out and just say, not going to worry about it. I'll figure it out on my own. But if you wanted to execute it, my brain is going there. What do you think? I'm springing that on you as like I think random you're starting to create yeah. that room or that space. Yeah. You're starting to find the version of that sample script that might work yeah. in the situation if you wanted to say something. Although yeah. I think both of us are thinking in some ways this might be one of those moments where – you just take the hit yourself and use it to your own benefit as you move forward. I think so. I also can't leave this question without saying just how excited I was with the, the basic framing of this question. A new home is a really special moment in life, and we are so excited for you. We are indeed. Mr. Adams is a good customer of the bank. 
In return, the bank provides many services for him and for everyone who uses the bank. Our next question is titled Gifts of Gratitude, and this question comes from Amy via Facebook. Lizzie and Daniel, first of all, I love listening to your podcast. I am learning so much from your show and truly appreciate the role you are playing in my growth as a mother, wife, friend, homemaker, and person. I am writing today because I am looking for the best way to show gratitude and appreciation to a friend who has been so wonderful in helping me out recently. We both have two-year-old sons, and I also have a four-month-old son. I had knee surgery a couple of weeks ago, and my friend has been so wonderful in taking my older son a couple times a week for playdates and lunches. She won't take money for lunches or gas. I won't be able to take her son in the future to reciprocate because I don't have room in my car for another car seat. I don't want to do anything too extravagant because I don't want to make her uncomfortable, but I want her to know just how much I really do appreciate everything she's doing to help me. What do you suggest? First yes, of Dan's all, raising his hand. <laughs> I, I, I love hearing about all of the support, and I, I'm learning from you also just as I, as I hear about the way this friend has responded to your moment of need. I can't imagine a four-month-old and a two-year-old and being really limited in your ability to get around, and I'm sure that support is absolutely critical. I am appreciating your appreciation and your desire to do something and to, to acknowledge this in a way that's significant and meaningful for your friend. I'm also really appreciating her saying, no, really, this is what we do for each other, and I don't want money to pay for it. And you're then in response thinking to yourself, how do I then respond in kind? And there's just some practical limitations that are going to make it difficult for you to mirror reflect this particular favor exactly. There are options. There are. And I think one of the first that comes to mind is – Obviously, to write a thank you note, to use your words. That is like, uh, yeah, exactly. That's always like easy. It's inexpensive. It conveys the real heart and intent behind your appreciation. And I think that's so important and so clear in a thank you note. But I think also look for things that you could do in the future. Maybe this isn't something that you kind of, a kindness that you repay immediately, but it's a kindness you might repay when your friend is in need, that you really make the effort to step up at that moment in her life, if you can, but look for that time in the future. I was having a very similar thought. And in terms of practical advice, I was thinking to suggest to find a way to remind yourself or keep this thought fresh. Oh, good tip. Time moves forward. And I think writing that handwritten note is a good it's a good first step. Yeah. That medium is part of the message and, and that'll begin to to really concretize the thought. And at the same time, maybe tuck a little note in the corner of your mirror or p- place a little reminder somewhere your sock drawer or yeah, somewhere that you see, see it, it and, <laughs> and and keep this thought fresh and hold yourself accountable to the way you're feeling right now because it's going to be harder to remember at some point in the future that's just the way we all work and if you make it a practice to remember that gratitude i also think it's a nice way to to keep that feeling alive inside yourself. And it's a feeling that I was really responding to as I was reading this question. And I would take advantage of the opportunity not to repay it right away, but to really attenuate and extend that feeling. I also have to share a personal story. Pooja and I are very fortunate to have a, a relative and friend network that help us take care of Anisha. Yeah. And it's there are a couple aunts in particular that are really instrumental in allowing both Pooja and I to keep working. And we do uh, a home massage gift because Aww, it's that's so nice. almost the exact same situation. They don't want money. They love the time they get to spend with Anisha. And at the same time, we're so grateful and appreciative because in particular, we're not allowed to put Anisha in daycare right now. Right. And um, without this support, we really couldn't both go back to work. Right. So it really matters to us. And the gift of a little home massage from a masseuse that we use and love and it has been a really nice way to show that thanks, to show that appreciation. It's a little luxury that wouldn't necessarily be something these people treat themselves to. Mm-hmm. And it's a way to for us to show appreciation and also to do something a little special. So think about something like that, uh, a, that a little luxury or person, a little yeah. treat. And yeah. maybe it's not the practical gift of the exchange of babysitting Babys- or yeah, rides right. or lunches. But it's it's something else and something that will switch it up a little bit. But 
is usually going to be appreciated. Maybe that's a dinner out. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a, a homemade item, a little homemade soap, or <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's a gift of a certain special soap that you learned about somewhere. <laughs> um, I also really like that idea of massage or other kind of self-care. That yeah, be something a real, that's for a real self-care. Nice treat. Totally. We hope that this helps and gives you a few ideas for this wonderful, wonderful friend that you have in your life. You realize that it's the simple things, being friendly, thinking of the other person, and showing respect that make up everyday courtesy. Our next question is about champagne hosts. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I recently found this podcast and I'm slowly listening from the beginning. Thank you for bringing this concept of etiquette and really just overall common sense back in fashion. I love the platinum rule. Oh, that's so cool. I have a friend. She is the planner of planners, hostess of hostesses. My husband and I spend almost every weekend with her and her husband. A few times she has made comments about other couples and friends that we have in common and will say they are cheap because they never want to go out to dinner or complain that they never reciprocate hosting. Sometimes it makes me wonder if she thinks the same way of us when we sometimes have to decline dinner out invites or are unable to host the cocktail parties. This friend and her partner have the blessing of great jobs, lots of money, and flexible schedules. How do I politely remind her that most people, including my husband and I, cannot afford to drop $300, $400 a night out on dinner and cocktails every weekend and that our homes are not as entertaining friendly as hers? How do I just work up the courage to tell her no to the shopping outings and the expensive restaurants without sacrificing the friendship that has basically been built on acting like we are millionaires? The issue is partly my fault because my husband and I have sacrificed our own budget to play along and have not really shared with them that we are not in the same financial boat they are. And now it feels like it is time to come clean about how poor we are in comparison to them. Please help trying to budget and still eat caviar Smiley. <laughs> Smiley. Um, Smiley, you're exactly right. Without having broached it, your friends are assuming that you're okay with the types of invitations that they're issuing you. You you essentially have given them no reason to believe otherwise. And Dan has the wonderful phrase that um, etiquette when used for self-reflection is a real tool. But when you're using it to teach someone else a lesson or when you're using it to judge others, that it's really not very effective. And I think I can see that happening in two places. Your friend is judging others. But I also hear you saying, I want to teach her that this isn't normal. $300, $400 isn't normal. And I think I would stay away from thinking about it in that regard and instead think about it that you need to let her know just about your own personal situation, not that most people have this situation going on. And I think that it's really easy for you to do that without even divulging your finances. You can simply say to her, I really appreciate the offers, but in looking at our finances, we just can't do dinners out that are in the, and then give her a price range. That way she understands and it's really clear. And you can always say, I would love to do something at XYZ restaurant, or would you like to come over, or um, we could go do something else together. You know, you can always suggest other options. And then you're going to see where she falls as a friend. Either she's going to hang out with you or not. (laughs) And it sounds like this is someone who gets frustrated when she is hanging out with people who can't meet the financial level that she likes to operate on because she is complaining to you about other people. I would be prepared that this might be a time to end this friendship over that, whether it's because of her or because of you. I just think I'd be prepared for that reality. I agree. And at the same time, as I was listening yeah. to this question for the first time, it occurred to me, this other friend might really appreciate you dialing everything back. Sometimes, maybe. Yeah, sometimes no, people true. start to step beyond themselves and they're imagining the reciprocity and maybe they have a pressure on themselves. You just don't know. That's true, Dan. I didn't think about that. I think the discussions about money really have to be candid, clear, honest. You ask about how to get up the courage to do it. I I think you just do it. Yeah, I and think I, so too. I really liked your language. Liz. Yeah. I thought that I think that having appreciation for the invitation is what softens the no. Yes. Thank you for thinking of me. That's not in our price range. Then then the, the candid and clear part kicks in. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of having other options if they're available. You also mentioned that your home isn't as entertaining friendly. 
don't worry about that so, so much. There are ways that you can entertain. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the, the generosity of your spirit. It's the, the way you issue invitations and the way you are present with people that really brings warmth to a home. And I wouldn't exclude that possibility as a really viable one for a way to reciprocate. And if someone doesn't appreciate that, I do think that is a point where you get to ask whether or not that's really a friendship worth having or just really recognizing that, okay, that friendship just needs to be outside and on inexpensive walks. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> and there, there is some bad etiquette here. Yeah. I, I want to acknowledge also this, this friend talking badly of other people. It's so rude. It is. And I liked your Talk first thought of there, there's no way that you can really address that. You're, you're, it's yeah. not going to be easy to point that out, but you cannot participate. Right. And I think that it's a lesson to all of us that you, when you share sort of negative thoughts or gossip or bad feelings about other people, you just don't know how it's being received. You, This friend might think they're confiding in you. Mm-hmm. that Oh, these people don't do this. And it's so mm-hmm. disappointing. And here you are thinking to yourself, is this me? Yeah. And it's just it's a real reminder that that it's it's easy to to feel like you're building rapport, sharing bad news or negative gossip. (laughs) And oftentimes it's not having the effect that is intended. In fact, is really destructive of good relationships. Absolutely. The other etiquette point that really emerges for me is that reciprocity in friendships is important, that there is a. An idea that's been around for a long time that if you extend an invitation to someone, that oftentimes that invitation is reciprocated in some way at some point. And I like that you're aware of this. You're thinking about it. Your friend is is turning this courtesy into an expectation, and that's a danger. Yep. Um, It's really up to them to host generously, to not feel taken advantage of. That's – that's their emotion and their feeling about the situation. You don't right. need to take it on. Right. But it is nice to think about how you can reciprocate and participate in friendships. And I think trusting yourself to be a good host, like Lizzie said, giving options for things that are in the price range that you can do and participate in and being sure to invite them or suggest those things when that discussion is going on are the good ways to proceed. Absolutely. Smiley, we hope we just named you Smiley because there was a smiley at the end of the of the signature. But Smiley, we hope that this helps and we hope that you're able to navigate this friendship with confidence and with a confidence on your budget line as well. This new baby has the ascribed status given him by his family. He may, as he grows up, reach a higher achieved status or He may, as his own father did, stay in the class to which he was born. His vertical mobility will depend greatly upon him, his character, his talents, and abilities. The criteria for class boundaries vary from place to place, and so it will be for all these babies, all citizens, all equal before the law. Our next question is titled, what's the deal with appetizers? And I'm like in love with this question. Hi, <laughs> Dan's giggling. Why are you giggling? Because uh, <laughs> you're clearly in love with this question. You wrote like two pages on it. They definitely keep going because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about <laughs> your investment in this question. All right. <laughs> what's the deal with appetizers? Hi, Dan and Lizzie. As my favorite holiday approaches, I am thankful for you and hope that you can answer my question. Thank you. I did not notice that when I first read the question. That's very sweet and very appropriate for this week. Is there any etiquette on having appetizers or not? Five years ago, I started hosting a Friendsgiving the weekend before Thanksgiving. I love to cook, so I made a Texas-sized brisket and served other items, but also asked everyone who attends to bring something. It's a very casual event. I serve buffet style. I tell everyone to come anytime after 6. We will eat around 7.30. A friend mentioned to me that we should not have appetizers because people fill up on appetizers. I was surprised. I find it rude to have people come over and only have drinks ready to offer when they arrive, especially if we won't be eating immediately. What are the post thoughts on appetizers? Sincerely, to app or not app? (laughs) I have a grin on my face from ear to ear for two reasons. One... My cousin Lizzie clearly loves this question. You should see she has two pages of script notes on appetizers that follow this question. The 
second thought I have is that I, I I had this exact situation. My Friendsgiving was two days ago. Yeah. It was a large gathering. People brought lots of food. It was delicious. Yeah. It was awesome. Pooja stole the show. She made a tortilla <laughs> soup. It was incredible. Awesome. It had been slow cooking, and people arrived. It was a cold yeah. day. It was hot. They ate. And I'd done homemade enchiladas. They were served at halftime, and nobody had room for anything at that point. <laughs> we had done a whole crock pot of tortilla soup and nachos, and the, the appetizers completely stole the show. They were such a hit. I love appetizers. And <laughs> that, sometimes... That was getting to, in case you were wondering. <laughs> sometimes you just have to go there. So, yeah. busy post. Yeah. Thoughts on appetizers. So, thoughts on appetizers. So, I've walked around my whole life thinking of appetizers as really like a dish, you know, like your first course at a at a dinner at a restaurant. And I've always thought of hors d'oeuvres as... Ooh, nice distinction. Yeah, like... <laughs> Sometime I want you to like sports commentator the show because that was awesome. Um, so I've always thought of hors d'oeuvres as past, you know, trays at a party, finger food, um, things that you would eat during the cocktail hour. And so I went and looked up the definitions of the two. And it turns out appetizer is uh, defined as a small dish of food or drink taken before a meal or the main course of a meal to stimulate one's appetite. And I love that the idea was that it was to stimulate the appetite, also because that counters our question asker's friend and says, no, this isn't to fill people up. It's actually like to get their their digestive tracts hungry and going. But hors d'oeuvres, I was really surprised. A small savory dish, typically one served as an appetizer at the beginning of the meal. It doesn't talk about them being finger foods. It doesn't talk about them being passed or served during a cocktail hour. Now, obviously, definitions probably don't go into that much detail etiquette wise but I was surprised because in my mind hors d'oeuvres had always been light and appetizers had always been at the table as a real you know first course so I've got to kind of switch my definitions in my head a little bit because it sounds to me more like the hors d'oeuvres actually happen at the table according to this definition I like the specificity. Yeah. Getting to the actual question at hand, having something to nibble is a nice touch, whether it is the kind of um, basic level of just like a couple bowls of nuts or olives placed around, you know, while you have cocktails before you sit down to your meal, or whether you ramp it up to cheese and crackers. Next level might be charcuterie and like, you know, shrimp cocktail. Um, You can definitely have crudite out there. Things like that are all very kind of standard, common as people are gathering and having drinks before you sit down to a meal, kind of finger foods, appetizers um, to share. And I think those are really common. You ask about the post thoughts or post family thoughts. Yeah. When I think about um, going to my grandparents when yes. they were entertaining, there was always cheese and crackers. Always. And then depending on the the level of the event, it would ramp up. But there was always a little bite available at some point before totally. the meal. It was offered. It was standard. Yep. And um, I, I definitely have internalized that thought in my own life. I've watched my mother, who in some ways is a rebel within the tradition. <laughs> um, that is one of the points that she has embraced and, and uses when she entertains in her home as well. Absolutely. I think it's nice to offer something. You don't have to offer full meals. You don't have to offer mini quiche and spanakopita and like everything. Um, it's up to you whether you decide to have a first course at this meal that you're serving. It sounds to me like it's a pretty casual affair. You said buffet style. So my guess is that just having some food for people to nibble on during that hour and a half before you sit down to eat isn't a bad idea at all. You probably don't need everyone to bring massive amounts of them. But just enough so that if someone's feeling a little peckish, they can, you know, have a little bite with their with their cocktail or their beer. So I also want to address the thoughts of your friend. Yeah. <laughs> who is concerned about people spoiling their appetite, I would say show some self-control. Yeah. <laughs> it's up to each person to <laughs> regulate themselves yes. and to not spoil their own appetite and not to insist that others are starved or are not yeah. fed because maybe they have difficulty reining in their behavior at the shrimp bowl <laughs> or in front of the cheese and crackers. We used to have to limit my cousin Carolyn. She got five pieces of shrimp and that was it. Otherwise, she'd just sit there and go after it. One other thing I was thinking of, and that's that if this is a lot of people coming to this Friendsgiving and you want everyone to bring something, you can also tone down the level of what you ask them to bring. They don't all have to bring a dish to contribute. You might have one person literally bring a box of crackers and someone else bring another box of crackers. I mean, if you have 
enough people, you can really kind of dial back what people are bringing because, you know, four people bringing crackers, you get enough crackers for 30 people, you know. <laughs> I'm a big fan of multiple kinds of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, we hope that this helps and gives you some ideas about appetizers, hors d'oeuvres, whether to serve them, whether to not. But mostly we think it's awesome that you have this Friendsgiving that's becoming a tradition. And as a hostess, it's wonderful to really get your own um, traditions and hosting style kind of under your belt. And it sounds like you've really done that here. Happy Friendsgiving. Thank you so much for your questions. Please, please, please send us your updates and comments to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want your question on the show. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Our first piece of feedback comes from Lindsay in Southern California, who wanted to chime in about the towing repayment question from episode 166. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. You guys are so great. Thanks for the podcast. I save yours for last. I'm a save the best for last kind of person. Each week so that I can enjoy it. Me too. I like saving the best for last. (laughs) I'm listening to episode number 166 and had to email you about the towing question. I had this happen to me, but I was the friend. I did say that I have never seen a car towed before and thought that it should be fine. Lo and behold, their new car was towed after a night of hanging out. You hit the nail on the head about allowing the friend to make right the wrong that they caused. My friends graciously said that I did not need to pay for the car to come out of impound, but I just don't think that I would have ever forgiven myself if they had paid for it. It happened at my house because of what I had said. It was hugely important for me to right my wrong. I was the host, after all. They did some reverse awesome etiquette and bought my partner and I dinner the next time we were out together. I think it was because I wouldn't let them pay for their towing experience. Though I love everything about the show, I always specifically love to hear Dan's performing and entertainment stories from California. I work in SoCal Entertainment. It makes Vermont feel closer. Thanks for all you do, Lindsay. Lindsay, I love this. And it's so just, I I love this theme today that we've had of allowing people to express things, allowing people to express gratitude, allowing people to right a wrong, not to be afraid of accepting those things so that the other person can feel good, feel better. I just, it's, it's a theme that has been really in my brain lately, and I love seeing it come out in our show. I couldn't agree more. We talk about the importance of giving thanks. Sometimes it's really important to receive thanks well. The witnesses to that gratitude play a really important part in how it works. You're welcome (laughs) (laughs) is is its own magic word. Being able to let someone say I'm sorry, being able to let someone make a repayment, it kind of finishes – the circle on on the instance, and it's really nice to allow all parties to close it confidently. And I'm going to finish yeah, this go feedback for it, dude. <laughs> with a thank you for mentioning SoCal and yes! the performing arts. So and it's, cool. It's made me put a little flag in my mind. I want to do a postscript at some point about theater etiquette or something that'll give us an excuse to talk more about the performing <laughs> arts. We also heard from both Claudia and James, who wrote in via Facebook with comments regarding Ready for Bed from episode 165. Claudia wrote, I wanted to comment on Ready for Bed's question. One factor that was not addressed in the podcast's response is different cultural traditions. In many countries, drinking coffee after dinner is a part of the culture. I thought that might be worth some consideration. And we agree, so we wanted to make sure we said it on the show. It is something you might be dealing with, and it's definitely one of those things that you want to have pop into your head so that you can help better understand a situation. We don't happen to know the culture of the gentleman who was in question, and it didn't come up in the question, but definitely a point worth bringing up. Especially to a couple coffee fans. Yes. (laughs) James also offered two thoughts on dinner dragging on, because my kids said I should tell you instead of talking to the podcast. (laughs) Number one. Ask for separate checks at the beginning of the meal. This way you have the option of leaving, particularly if you, as was suggested, made clear that you needed to leave by a particular time. And two, if you know dinner will end with a final long drink, you can start dinner a half hour or hour earlier than usual to incorporate it. This little piece of feedback plays well with the previous piece of feedback. If that time after the meal is important or you anticipate it happening, just plan it into your thinking about the evening. Thank you for the questions. Thank you for sharing the thoughts. And please wish your kids the best. 
And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. For today's Postscript segment, we wanted to gather a few stories and both share and hear what Thanksgiving was like for folks this year. And Dan's going to kick us off by phoning his Thanksgiving feedback in. Hi there. This is your co-host calling in on a blustery snow day at the end of a long weekend that I spent hopping from one family event to another. It seemed like an endless parade of cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents and grandkids and food. And as I was sitting down with Pooja last night and we were reflecting on the weekend, the thing that we found ourselves talking about the most were the conversations that we got to have with people that we care a great deal about but get to see all too infrequently. And we were checking in with each other saying, you know, what did you hear about from somebody that Maybe I didn't get a chance to talk to him. And we sat and exchanged recollections of the best conversations that we had over the weekend. And it really was a pleasure to remind myself that that, that was the thing about the weekend that, that really stuck with me and that that I'm remembering today fondly as well. I, I got to play country mouse. I went around all my city cousins and West Coast uncles and asked them what was going on in their lives. It really was that inquiry, that curiosity about other people's lives that, that delivered some of the best surprises and the most meaningful moments. And when I think about what I wanted to share with all of you, that's really the first thing that came to mind. So once again, happy Thanksgiving, and I can't wait to be with y'all again soon. That's totally awesome. Well, I got a chance to catch up with my dad after our holiday to ask his thoughts about Thanksgiving at our post house this year. Hey, Dad. Hey, Lizzie. I thought I would um, talk with you to share about our Thanksgiving this year, which was so different from years past. We had no, we had just us five and we had, six. We six, had five and a half. Yes, five and a half. Jasper was with us at three months old. My favorite moment from Thanksgiving was at the table. Um, and um, it was when uh, Anna brought Jasper down um, about halfway through the meal. We heard him. And so, we, you know, it was time for him to be up and we wanted him at the table. And so he came and sat with us and um, we got him giggling. We got him smile. I mean, this is he's three months old. And so we're just starting to get the interaction that starts to happen. It's awesome. It's awesome. It, 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 it puts a smile right on your face. As soon as it happens, you can't help but be excited that he is all of a sudden responding to you. And he really is responding. And he's laughing and he's enjoying and he's a part of it. And it was uh, it was very it, it was a unique experience to be at home with just you guys. Yeah. And you know, great dinner, same dinner, same all the dinner. Food I know the all food the same, is exactly. But the same. but the experience instead of fifteen or twenty people around the table, which has been lots of fun, this was a great alternative. Loved every minute of it. Thanks, Dad. And I also caught up with Jason, who told us about traditions changing in his family while still remaining traditional. <laughs> so this uh, holiday was great. Uh, I spent Thanksgiving with my family at my sister's home, which used to be owned by my grandparents. Uh, my grandmother passed away two years ago. So this is the second uh, Thanksgiving that my sister has carried on the tradition at in my grandmother's house. Uh, for our family, so it's terrific. It's like old and new, and it's it's old traditions, but still with new people. That's so wonderful. Yes, and her son Jasper, my nephew, is only three years oh. old. So we have a little guy <laughs> running around with my two uh, teenage boys. So we have great. a Jasper too. <laughs> we were just talking; he was kind of like the highlight of our Thanksgiving because it was his first Thanksgiving. But that's my nephew's name as well. Nice. <laughs> that's nice. awesome. Oh well, we're so glad you've had a wonderful Thanksgiving, upholding old traditions in new ways. Thank you. <laughs> Ariana and I were able to talk. About about her love of smaller holiday gatherings. Ariana, you, um, you've you got two little girls. Mm -hmm. Yes. yes. <laughs> Three and a half and nine months. Three and a half and nine months. Yes. And what was your Thanksgiving like this year? It was pretty, um, like all the other Thanksgivings, we have a small <laughs> Thanksgiving. My, my family is really close. And so um, we met at my parents' house and my sister and her family came and me and my family came. So, you know, relatively small, except now we have, we all have lots of kids. <laughs> the added chaos of cousins and, and just little kids running around is a new adventure. Um, but it, it, it works because, you know, it's just small and in my parents' house and they love their grandkids obviously so there's a lot of like fo it's a lot of focus and like you feel like you're not having to worry about how everything's affecting 
kind of like aunts and uncles who exactly. maybe aren't around little ones. There's this like no pressure. It's yes. like controlled chaos in a cozy environment. Exactly. Not annoying Aunt Sue who's frustrated <laughs> by the nine-month-old screaming. No, there's none of that. So. That's so nice. I love that. And it keeps everything like intimate and everyone can kind of just relax around the holiday. Definitely. I love it. Oh, thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. And Ariana also told me about her coworker Chris's house guest hedgehog moment. I had to get the scoop, so here it is. Chris, you had probably the most interesting house guest Thanksgiving experience I have ever heard of. Are you willing to share the story of the hedgehog? I can share the story of the hedgehog. Okay. You you did Thanksgiving with your family, but then you had a Friendsgiving that you were doing with another family, correct? We did. Okay. Yeah. And we you... gathered with some friends after the family Thanksgiving. Okay. So tell me tell me what the scene is like cuz you've got you've got three boys, right? Three boys, yes. And our friends have two sons. Okay. And they're all very good friends, and we're good friends, so we thought it would be a great idea to get together. That's usually a good idea, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> there was room for everyone, and we had uh, space for uh, our boys to all bunk up together, have a have a sleepover, and, and uh, yeah, it didn't quite work out that way. <laughs> <laughs> there were, there were uh, bunks for the boys and cots set up for the boys, uh, but eventually, uh, or almost right from the start, uh, our boys ended up, uh, you know, in our bedroom and, sl- and sleeping in, in our bed. <laughs> so what happened when it was time for you to go to sleep? Uh, I just, I found myself, uh, you know, needing a, needing a place to fall asleep. And I went and I slept down uh, on the couch. And uh, I had uh, fallen asleep, but uh, woke up uh, to a sound that I wasn't quite sure what it was, but... Uh, realized that that the friends we were staying with had a pet hedgehog (laughs) in a neighboring room and and the hedgehog was making a sound that wasn't fully familiar Uh, (laughs) a little bit of a of a it sounded like a snort i was about to say are you familiar with other hedgehog sounds no (laughs) haven't come across too many hedgehogs but (laughs) this one was making uh was making a a snorting sound or, or so i thought so I wasn't quite totally sure what to do. Uh, I did my. What, what does a guest do right. when their host hedgehog begins to snort in the middle of the evening? I, I did my best just to to fall asleep, and but it, it took a little while, and I wasn't quite sure that I was going to fall back asleep. So I actually uh, got my phone and and I googled uh, <laughs> hedgehog snorting, and. Quickly became very concerned that I was making the hedgehog uncomfortable because he felt or she felt threatened <laughs> by uh, by my presence on the couch. So they snort when they feel threatened. Then that's that's what I read what quickly in my in my forty seconds of research. <laughs> I like that your immediate concern as a guest was that you had distressed the pet, the household. Pet. Absolutely, I did not want the hedgehog to be uncomfortable. <laughs> I, love it. I just love that so much. So I was how very did the re- how did the rest of the night play out? I fell back. I fell asleep, um, but woke woke up again, uh, sort of very early in the morning to to more noise coming from the hedgehog's cage, and still concerned. I, I just figured there wasn't too much I could do. So I, I eventually I fell back asleep. <laughs> okay. But when we all woke up, uh, we all had a good laugh uh, about the hedgehog. I raised the question that I think that they're nocturnal. Yeah. And it was confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> hedgehog. Like, Thank you, hosts. Information would have been good. But they didn't think you were going to sleep in the living no, room. No, no. It was all just right. a good... Uh, <laughs> it all just played out that way. And, it, and it, it was funny. And everyone felt very good about it. Um, I love this image of you going to bed at night. Like, the whole household goes to bed and you're totally normal you. And they wake up and you're kind of like a, a newly changed hedgehog um, expert. I That's guess. right, totally. Yeah, I've, I've got uh, I've got that uh, evening's worth of research under my belt. But what it turned out is that the hedgehog actually has a wheel. Oh, oh, oh! So it wasn't snorting. It, was it wasn't snorting. Oh. So I felt much better. I hadn't stressed the hedgehog out. The hedgehog was actually having fun. You won't have to write like a note of apologies. I'm so sorry for disrupting your slumber. That's right. I meant you no harm. That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh, Chris, thank you so much for sharing the tale of the, the house guest and the hedgehog. Well, thanks for asking me. Liz reached out. She and her sisters, Shannon and Megan, are big fans of the show and they listen every week. And here's what Liz wanted to tell us about her Thanksgiving, which I thought was really awesome. 
Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm a huge fan of your show. My sisters, um, Shannon and Megan, and I listen every single week, and we've had many of etiquette debates at family dinner night. I went to San Antonio this Thanksgiving for my extended family get-together, and one of my cousins, who's a veteran, he found out that the local Air Force base invites families to let soldiers come into their homes for Thanksgiving and um, spend Thanksgiving with them. So he, for the last couple of years, has invited some soldiers from the Air Force to come to our Thanksgiving dinners. So a shout out to him for welcoming in these soldiers and um, to my family for just hosting them and letting them, treating them as family. And a shout out to them, of course, for spending time away from their family. I know that it wasn't the same as being with their own family and their own family traditions, but I'm glad that they got to be a part of our Thanksgiving since they're sacrificing their time for our country and at least they got to have a slice of pumpkin pie for it. Thank you. Happy holidays. We got a fun, fun message from Ted who, um, well, here, I'm just going to play it for you all. Hey, guys. I'm down here at the end of the pier in Manhattan Beach, California, right after Thanksgiving, and I'm going to try something. One, two, three. Happy Thanksgiving! Look, people do etiquette here in California. Hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Talk to you soon. (laughs) Thanks, Ted and kids. We love those group messages. And finally, I was really happy when I called my friend Kate, and here's what she had to say about her Thanksgiving. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. My holiday was perfect. It was exactly what I needed. The people that were most important in my life. Great food, football, and just good memories. Kate, thank you for letting us end on a super, super happy note. I want to thank everyone who took the time to share something with us. It is always so wonderful to get a peek inside of everyone else's holiday. We hope that this season is going to bring everyone a lot of cheer. And don't worry, there's a whole lot more etiquette to come. We like to end our show on a high note. So we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world. And that can come in so many forms. Today's comes from Lonnie. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Thanks so much for the podcast. I would never have guessed that a podcast about etiquette could be so entertaining. I wanted to send in an etiquette salute to a number of my friends and family members who I stayed with over the last four months while I was traveling. It wasn't just a trip that I decided to go on for fun. I'm an American living in Europe, and visa problems compelled me to leave my adopted home for a while so that I wouldn't be there illegally. While it was originally a really stressful situation, the kindness and welcoming hospitality that I received from the numerous people who I stayed with along the way absolutely blew me away. We shared amazing dinners, went on gorgeous hikes, and generally just caught up after months or years of not seeing each other. All the while, they were also providing me with comfortable places to sleep and making me feel so at home. Thanks to all of my hosts, my stressful situation turned into an amazing experience. So all the best to them and to you. Cheers, Lonnie. I love that. I love when travel and connecting with folks can feel just so homey and so comfortable. It's a it's a pretty darn cool thing in the world. It certainly is. Thank you, Lonnie, for sharing. And thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Lizzie A. Post. And I'm at Daniel underscore Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. You can help us out. Become a sustaining member at awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com or subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thanks, Thanks, Chris. He was always on the fringe of things, but he's the most popular and successful man in our class now. But somewhere along the line, Tom learned to get along with other people or he wouldn't be the community leader he is today. I think all of us want to get along with other people.